All right, welcome, RVA, to our uh, eighth uh, replay podcast. This is our tenth podcast overall that we've done uh, this season, and we have a very special guest today. Um, unlike for the first seven replay podcasts, we have a relevant guest for this one. We have someone who can talk about victory, someone who can talk about raising the plaque at the end of the season. Uh, you know, well, of course, we've had Chad, who has all kinds of experience with that. But for the first time in a single replay podcast, we have the champion of the season that we're highlighting. Unfortunately, again, it's Jeff Hobbs. How are you, Jeff? I I hate you so much. <laughs> that was a good introduction. You um did, uh you mentioned this a few minutes ago, and I hadn't thought about that. Uh, I had thought about that introduction, but you mentioned a few minutes ago. This is now our fourth different location, but our third country uh, on the RBA podcast this year. Uh, Jeff, tell the people where you're uh, where you're coming to them from. I'm coming. I'm broadcasting from La Ciudad de Mexico. That would be Mexico City for Dave, who's not listening. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure everybody else will understand. I'm pretty sure everybody else will understand. Yes, Jeff is uh, Jeff is in Mexico for uh, he has been for about a week and a half now, and he will be for a couple more days. And uh, he is graciously joining us from Mexico City, um, all the way back here to the states. And of course, uh, when Chad joins us, I, I guess for. You know, for the past two times and for another month or two months or so, he was he was joining us from Rotterdam. Uh, Chad, of course, coming back to the States. And unfortunately for everybody, uh, Jeff is also coming back to the States. Uh, well, I, I already took care of all the cartels, so uh, I think my work here is done. With the AK in your hand? Yeah, yeah, well, or just my bare fists. Well, let's uh, let's get to the eighth season here. Um, this there's a, a lot to talk about in this one. This is going to be pretty entertaining, I think. Um, we have, as we teased on the last one, we have possibly the most dramatic, um, <laughs> inordinately long playoff series, play, uh, you know, a group of playoff series that we'll ever have. We had three seven-game playoff series in this one. Uh, you won two of them, uh, which is the maximum you could win. Um, and you did go on to win the plaque, as we said. At the end of this podcast, we'll talk a little bit about what happened in those playoff series, what happened to you during those playoff series. Uh, and the uh, direct result of that being that we no longer play the two first round series on the <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that was a hell of a uh, that was an ordeal. Yes, it was. So we will get to that. But um, well, Jeff, where would you uh, well, where would you like to start? Would you like to to say anything about where you where your team was going into the eighth season? I mean, you can uh, you have the right to to dominate this one with talk of Arizona because this was Arizona season. Um, well, okay, uh, let's see, I guess I, well, uh, I'll start, I'll go ahead and start back at the sixth season and just briefly just kind of say what, where I was, uh, going into the eighth season, so I tore everything down in 2006, did a complete rebuild, um, and going into the 2007 season, my, my only real goal was to just kind of prove to myself that I could actually like win 50 games or 48 or something like that. Because yeah, you could actually build a team. Yeah, because in my first five seasons, uh, in my first five seasons, I even though I'd only finished under 500 once, I'd never won more than 45 games. That's right. 
one of those seasons I won 41, so that hardly counts as, a, as an above 500 record. So, um, good. And actually, and actually, I, I hadn't won more than 43, other than in the other very than the first season. Yeah. yeah, other than the first season, uh, which I obviously went to the championship, but that the first season by that point, by 2006, had faded pretty far back into the past. So, uh, so I just wanted to, you know, prove to myself that I could tear a team down, build it back up, and actually do well. Uh, so in 2007, in 2007, I, you know, I won 50 games. Uh, didn't obviously didn't win the championship. Adam did, but uh, so 2008, I just wanted to prove I could do that again, that I could have another good season. And but but now my my goal was to obviously win the plaque, just to, to see if I could do that. And it turned out. Uh, you know, it turned out that I did, but, um, but it was, uh, yeah, it, it was, it was nice to be able to, to put together two consecutive 50 win teams. Do you, do you think there's any, uh, do you think there's any pattern or, or any kind of deliberate pattern to the fact that you have now competed for two consecutive seasons and had to rebuild in the third? This seems to have become a pattern with your team. Do you think that's just random, or do you think that in the RBA it's uh, with how good the owners are now, do you think it's just a little bit too difficult to, to have a 50-win team for three straight seasons? Um, well, it's awfully tough. Uh, I mean, Cooper has managed to – uh, Cooper has managed to be, you know, have what five straight winning seasons and and three. And straight I'm glad that you pointed that out. That's right, he has. So it's possible. Now he didn't have. Now I don't know how many of those teams won 50 games. I know that his 07 team did. Yeah, just one, just that one. Um, yeah. You, I and mean, the team he's had that's really been dominant. I mean, he's had other good teams, but uh, you know, the team that's his that won the championship won like 45 or something. So, and you could uh, argue, I mean, the ninth, tenth, and eleventh seasons, he was really kind of hanging on. Uh, he, you could argue whether he overachieved or he made the most out of his players, but I don't think that. Uh, I mean, of course, he won the plaque in the ninth season, but especially these past two seasons, he's been no more than a than a middling team. Yeah, in the three season stretch, I think it's really hard to win 150 games. Yeah, okay. So that's that's awfully tough to do. Okay. Yeah, well, that's that's where you are right now. I mean, time will tell about 2012, but uh, I don't think there's much left to tell on the story <laughs> of your team. Much, not much, unless like all of my players catch fire in the last whatever 40 games of the season. I, I think it's going to be another rebuilding year. I'm giving myself about a 98 percent chance of rebuilding next year. <laughs> right. So you uh, you put together 50 win teams in 07 and 08, took 09 off, put together 50 win teams in in 10 and 11, and uh, you're probably going to take 12 off. So maybe if you're aspiring to a 50 win team, you do kind of have to to go two on and one off. Maybe that's the best you can hope for. Um, it's not it's not a league that can really be dominated like some or even like in the beginning. I don't think. Do you agree with that? Um, yeah, like I said, not for, not for extended, I don't think, not for extended periods of time. It's pretty tough. Well, do you remember, um, going into the eighth season, who, uh, who did you perceive as the, as the threats, or, or would you like to consult the spreadsheet and see what the, uh, beginning of season scores were, if you want to uh, ask yeah. a more technical question? <laughs> sure, sure. Well, uh, I guess starting off at the, at the draft, which is what we usually do. Um, there were some big names. If you look back at the 2008 draft, okay, yeah, um, let, yeah. Let's talk about the draft. I do have some things that I wanted to say about that, and then maybe we can talk about the beginning of season scores after that. 
Okay, well, I'll, as usual, I guess I'll just briefly go through the first round, and you can butt in. Uh, <laughs> I always do. Uh, the first three picks were pretty obvious. Um, well, maybe, uh, okay, well, I'm going to butt in right away. <laughs> yeah, well, we don't know the – I mean, maybe the order wasn't obvious, but I think the, those three players were pretty obvious that they would well, go in. You're remembering a little bit. I, I remember it a little bit differently. Actually, no. Now that I look at it, now that I look at it, I, I think that, yeah, okay. Actually, that it wasn't so obvious because Upton. Uh, would, no. Well, eh. I, well, anyway, let's go to the Needham. The Needham is all pick to take Brian Braun. Right. Well, uh, but now I was, I was drafting in this draft, so I can say just a brief word about this. I, I took over Chicago in 07 and sort of rebuilt them. And I was drafting this team because this was my second season with the team. And I, I, sort of like what you were talking about a few minutes ago, I just wanted to see if I could put a winning team out there, you know, just for the challenge of it. Uh, and plus, we hadn't had anybody to take it over yet. Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna spend just a, a, a modicum of time on this podcast blowing my own horn a little bit. Oh, sweet Jesus! <laughs> but this. <laughs> but uh, you'll get to do that. Too. Hey, do have a podcast? Is, I, I, that's the one where I get to do that, not you. Well, this is a dual <laughs> exercise in, in self-flagellation. Oh, this is going to be disgusting for anybody else to listen to. <laughs> anyway, well, I, I was drafting a team to try and build them in, in this season, and I was sitting at number five. Uh, it went Dunedin, Atlanta, bu- uh, Buffalo from Elm Grove, and Gulf Coast at one through four. Now, here's what I remember about this. Now, you were down at number nine, so you might not have been paying as much attention to the, the to what was going on at the top. First of all, uh, Josh loves Ryan Braun. Uh, when when they lived in Charleston, um, the, the minor league team there switched to the Brewers when they changed the West Virginia power in, in Sally League minutia here, which is what this podcast is veered into. But anyway, um, <laughs> the, the – uh, they changed to the West Virginia Power, and the Brewers got that team. And so the first season, which was their last season in Charleston, they watched Ryan Braun uh, and Giovanni Gallardo and Sean Markham, and, and uh, I might be mixing players. But anyway, Josh had seen Ryan Braun there, and I think he was his favorite player on that team. Obviously, he was a stud. Um, so I knew Josh was going to take Braun. That was a foregone conclusion. Um after Braun, though, there were three elite pitchers, and you might not remember Fausto that way. No, uh, I do. I do. Okay. Fausto was, yeah. Those three were head and shoulders above any other pitcher in that draft. Um, starting pitcher, of course, I mean. And you can see that if you look down five through ten, the next six picks after them are all hitters. So it was yeah. basically you got one of those three starting pitchers or nothing for that season. You really didn't have anything else productive at the starting pitcher spot. So I was at number five, and obviously I wanted one of those three, but I had a feeling. I remember thinking there was probably a greater than 50% chance that those three would go two, three, four, and in fact they did. And uh, looking back on it, obviously Fausto is the outlier there because the top two. Well, you can go ahead and go through them there. Okay, yeah, right. Uh, okay, so Dunedin took Braun, and then, like you said, the three pitchers won. Atlanta took Gallardo, which kind of ties in with what you were talking about your cousins. Buffalo took Tim Linscombe. Um, and there, was a, there were a lot of questions about Linscombe at that time. You know, Just as Chad had mentioned, there were a lot of questions about Oswald. Uh, yeah. you know, kind of a 
a smaller pitcher. They thought he might have injury problems because he had such a violent throwing motion. And yes, still does. and still does. And I thought Gallardo was the better bet. And not that Gallardo's bad. He's certainly been a good player. Actually, I did too. Yeah, I did too. Um, Fausto went fourth. Uh, I think we all knew he was kind of a farce, but... Yeah, well, he's a pitcher. Um, and then Chicago. <laughs> but, yeah, I know what you're saying. He looked like the least, uh, the lowest potential of those guys. And then you took. Well, this is one that, I mean, I, I said I was going to blow my own horn, but this is the biggest This is the biggest stumble I made, I think. Even though I, I traded Felix away in this season, I can justify that deal. I it, hate to defend you, but at the time, I don't think you can blame yourself for taking this guy. Uh, well, the yeah, I mean, it's tough to blame me at the time, but the the problem is it's one of those things where I knew I was going to be choosing between these two players, and because I figured those pitchers were going to go two, three, four, and now you could say, you know, it wasn't just me who passed on the guy took taking number six overall, um, but I was choosing between those two players, and the two players I was choosing between were were B.J. Upton and Troy Tulowitzki. And what it came down, I mean, and you're right, B.J. Upton had quite a pedigree. I mean, he was a he was the number one overall pick, wasn't he, in the majors, or maybe number two? Uh, yeah, I don't remember. He, yeah, one or two. I don't he was remember. thought of very highly, and he had a good season that year, and he still qualified at second base. So he yeah. was a very valuable player. And my thought was, and so I'll kind of defend myself a little bit more, my thought was, Practically, I said, I'll just take Upton, fill second base, and I'll take Yonel Escobar in the second round to get shortstop. And Which you did. I did, and I did. And that turned out to be pretty good because Escobar is a good player. I mean, he's not yeah. Tulowitzki, but he's, you know, he's a good player. So, I mean, it's tough to say that I picked Upton over Tulowitzki. It looks bad <laughs> right there. But. You know what's funny is um, – uh, is before the draft started, I convinced John to take Tulowitzki at number six. Nice. He was thinking what? about somebody else. No, well, okay. I, when I say I convinced John, I, I don't know that he wouldn't have taken Tulowitzki right. at six anyway. Uh, but I remember having a conversation with John before the draft, and I, I, I remember telling him, uh, I remember telling him, if I were you, I would take Tulowitzki. He said, I think he told me he didn't know who he was going to take. He wasn't okay. sure. Okay. And I, I just said, I said, well, if I were you, I think I would take Tulowitzki because. Uh, because he's a shortstop, you need a shortstop, and he's a really good shortstop. And, you know, he's good defensively. He'll probably keep playing shortstop. So as long as his numbers don't go, you know, down the crapper, he, you could keep him for a long time. Right. I told him, I said, I'm I'm probably going to take Josh Hamilton. I don't think you'd want him at six. Of course, at the time, there were big questions about Hamilton with the drugs and everything. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so, but I said, I said, you know, and I and I, I fully expected Hamilton to fall. I didn't know for sure if he was going to fall to number nine, but I thought he probably would, and he ended up falling to number nine. But I told John, I was, I was like, I've got my eyes on on Josh Hamilton. If I were you, I would probably take Tulowitzki, and we talked about it for a minute. And like I said, he might have taken Tulowitzki anyway, but I do specifically remember having that conversation with him. That's and very, of course, it's very interesting. And of course, you took Upton at five. He took Tulowitzki at six. Right. And uh, and then number seven, Boy, number seven pick was an interesting one, Matt Kemp. But yeah, a lot of talent in this draft. I think this is yeah. a more talented draft for being a non-expansion season. One of the most. Yeah. One yeah. Of the most. Matt Kemp at seven. I don't remember how good he was that year, but he certainly he was. Uh, he was good, but not great. Okay. He certainly turned into something. And I remember Buffalo took Jeff Kappinger at number eight, and I remember distinct. I remember, I think it was Chad, 
I say distinctly, I don't even remember who said it, but I remember the line. I think Chad said, oh, somebody stepped on the landmine. <laughs> because Kepinger was good that season, but I think most people knew that he was Jeff Kepinger. Uh, and I, I just remember Chad going, ah, oh, we wondered who would do it. Uh, yeah, and then uh, – yeah, Hamilton at night. I had that I had that pointed out. And one little interesting um, piece of trivia about this is that, you know, people might look at that and think, oh, Arizona takes Josh Hamilton number nine overall in 2008. You know, they've had him ever since. But you had to yeah. redraft him the next year. I did. I did. I left him uh, – was it the next year? I think so. Um, or maybe was it, well, anyway, well, he was I, crappy that year, and your team was crappy, so they seemed to fit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I think yeah, you might. Yeah, yeah I think you're right. Well, yeah. anyway, uh, anyways, uh, well, Hamilton, um, right. So I took him at number nine. The nice thing about Hamilton was there was still no injury factor in the league, and even though he'd only played half a season or less, he qualified. Oh, is that true? Play time. Yeah, he didn't play that much for the Reds that year. Really? I think I he, remember that. He midway through the season or something. Okay. I, but anyway, he was very good. I mean, he was good. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He was He was a uh, 900 OPS center fielder. Yeah. Now, maybe higher than that, even. Uh, yeah, he was a monster. And then, uh, let's see. So, I took Hamilton at 10. State College took Travis Buck, mm. which I thought was a bit early. But anyway, uh, I mean, he was a good hitter for that. But uh, Chicago, you had another pick at 11. You took Dice K. I took the national treasure, Dice K. Uh, it didn't quite work out, but as we talked about with Mark Pryor, uh, I wasn't the last one holding the bag on that one. So so it worked out for me. <laughs> and then Buffalo, to close out the round, took Jeremy Guthrie. That was probably a pretty – that was a pretty – Good pick for where he yeah, went. I think with the tiers and the starting pitchers, I mean, Guthrie and Germano, he took German, them back-to-back. Back. I think he was just trying to get the starting pitching that was left, basically. So here's what's interesting, and I had a bunch of draft picks that time uh, in, in the 2008 draft as well. I mean, not a ton, but I had a couple second-rounders that I used to mm-hmm. take. You did. Bell and Ryan Domit. Um So I was able to kind of fill out my team pretty well there. Uh, I ended up with a, a monster Bullpen. You um, did because you paired up Bell with Saito, whom you'd protected from the previous. Yeah, and I got Damaso Marte at the very end of the third round, and he was he was the death to lefties. Yeah, God. We should the, we should mention before I forget, um, Saito and Bell, and I don't have the exact statistic on this. I could look it up, but they didn't give up a run either of them. I remember this for, for I mean, what what thirty games. Something like that. Yeah, they were they were great relief pitchers who actually overachieved. And when you <laughs> a great relief pitcher who overachieves can win a bunch of games for it a was, team. It was insanity. I I thought they were never going to give up a run. I mean, it was crazy. Bell ended up giving up eight runs that season. Saito still only gave up three yeah. in an entire season, which is crazy. Saito's ERA was point seven, and Bell ended up at one point seven nine. Um, right. So here. So you asked me about sort of my opinions, uh, my opinion on the teams after the draft, and I've actually got something interesting for you here. Okay. Before I read the spreadsheet scores, I have a 2008 draft recap from Chad Kanick. Oh, well, I was going to say I have a I have a couple of uh, I have a couple of things to say, more things to say about the draft, but let's let's let Chad chime in, Edmson, in absentia here. Should I do it in his voice? <laughs> 
No, I, I, here's, here's actually, it's a, it's a pretty cool email. He, uh, and I don't think he, let me see when he sent this. I think it was a little bit into the season. Uh, nope, I take that back. He sent it, uh, yeah, he sent it right after the draft. Okay, so anyway, here we go. Um, uh, let's see, I'm gonna try to figure out what to, what to mention here. So he mentions, uh, you know, that Braun and Gallardo were great picks. Uh, he questioned Jeff Kepinger, of course. Um, I think that was him who said that. That I remember. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's. I think I remember that too. Um, and anyway, he. I remember him saying that Fausto Carmona was an absolute must pick. You know, with the other two major, you know, big. <sighs> he really was. I mean, I think we all suspected that he was not going to keep it up, but those three pitchers were so far above. I think. I mean, I might be wrong, but I think they were something like the number two, three, and four pitchers, starting pitchers in the entire freaking league. <laughs> I don't remember that. I guess I could look it up, but I, I, uh, I'll I look it up it, while you're reading. Go ahead. For sure, that they were the three best pitchers by far for that season. Oh yeah, and, oh yeah. And, and the team, that, which team took uh, took Fausto again? Uh that would be Gulf Coast. Okay, yeah, because I remember because and they were trying to contend, and in order for them to contend, they absolutely had to take Fausto, and that's what Chad said. I, I mean, they, I exaggerated it a little bit, but they were the number five, six, and seven starting pitchers in the entire yeah. in the entire <laughs> league. They were yeah. five, six, and seven. Next best was Jeremy Guffrey, who we said you know um, Doug took at the end of the first round. He was the twenty seventh best starting pitcher in the league. So that yeah. gives you an idea about why Chad said that was a must pick. But right. so what the way Chad wrote this email was he actually uh, evaluated each round. Oh, so, okay. for example, in the second round, he said Cusk, Soria, Marshall, Heath Bell. I was I was going to mention Soria, you know, in, in the in the blowing of horn section of the podcast. But go ahead, I'll let Chad blow my I'll let Chad I'll let Chad blow my horn for me. Don't think that was a very good pick. I mean, I God, I hate to defend you, but Soria went later than I thought he would. Also, Jack Cusk. Yeah, I mean, he kind of crapped out uh, soon after, but we all thought that he was. Yeah, I mean. It was a good pick. I mean, high wall, great, good player for the league. He just never. Oh yeah, no, I, th- I thought that was a great pick for where he got, for where he went. And I don't, uh, yeah, I don't think anybody expected him to, to-, to crap out the way he did this right. year. The majors. He. Uh, Would you like to talk uh, more about that, Mr. Fungo? Yeah, I know. I have him in my other league. Uh, <laughs> hasn't been fun to watch. He's, in fact, he's not even in the league now, right? Hasn't he been cut or something? He was signed by the Phillies to play in AAA. If they try and play him in the field, God help them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, so anyway, Chad basically just went through the rounds, and then he actually graded each team. Okay. Um, so he gave me a B plus. He gave Atlanta an A, et cetera, et cetera. Really? Great. Yeah, he gave Doug. He said that uh, he, he he increased Doug's grade almost a full letter because Doug said that he dominates his wife. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I remember like that, something Doug would say. Something like that, like I dominate my wife. I don't remember the context. Yeah, but but actually, what might be more interesting is here are the uh, predictions and the odds to win the title. From Chad. Well, ha- hang on, let me just say a couple of things before we we leave the draft. Very briefly, I I wanted to mention the the my Escobar and Soria picks in the second round. As I looked back, I thought you know those are two players who you know or Escobar still on that team and and. You know, obviously Bob flipped Soria. That's a whole other discussion. But Soria's obviously been a very valuable relief pitcher. And then in the third round, I got Napoli, who has been protected for that team. And he is a he's been a monster at catcher for a couple of those seasons, including this yeah. upcoming season. I mean, yeah, I, he's that's a very the, underrated third round pick right there. Right. 
Right. No, definitely. Actually, and and Chad picked you to win the Larkin division. Uh, yeah, well, uh, yeah, okay. I, I wasn't an inconceivable pick. I thought you were better, and the replay thought you were better, but it it, 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 it was a good team. It was a good no, definitely, team. definitely. He gave you 5-1 to one odds to win the whole thing. He picked me to win the wild card. He gave me 7-1 to one odds okay. uh, to win the whole thing. Dunedin, 750-1, to one, and Orlando, 100,000-1. to one. We'll talk about Orlando. 100,000. Oh, yeah. yeah, that might have been generous. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, he gave Adam the same odds as the Pirates. Okay, now in the Clemente... Pirates, the Pirates! Right. He gave Buffalo 2-1 to one odds. He made Buffalo the favorite, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. He gave Silver City 10-1 to one odds. No, I'm sorry, State College 10-1 to one odds. Uh, okay, they had a good team. I mean... Silver City 50-1 to one odds, same mm-hmm. as the Marlins. <laughs> same oh, as the Marlins. Oh, Atlanta 100 to 1. And then in the Clemente, he gave himself 5 to 1 odds. He picked himself to win the Clemente. Uh, but but uh, he said it was going to be a great race, as I think everybody thought it would be. Right. He gave himself 5 to 1 odds, Vegas 7 to 1, Gulf Coast 7 to 1, and even and Baltimore 10 to 1. All four teams had a shot, and uh, that that's, seems pretty accurate to me, too. Yeah, was, was this the season that that was all a big cluster, or was it next, the next season? Or was it just both? Well, my, I think it might have been both, yeah. Um, and so then he, what did he write? Okay, wild card, he gave me, uh, he said, uh, okay, and then he, so for round one, he predicted Buffalo over Arizona in lopsided, awfully uncompetitive, anticlimactic series. <laughs> it was not, none of that ended up being true, even though you two did match up in the first round. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's funny. He got the matchup right, but everything else, everything <laughs> I thought it was wrong. Every every word was wrong. Right. Uh, it was a good good call to, to get the matchup. And then uh, Elm Grove over Chicago in too close to call. The Cards win because they are lucky in extra innings series. <laughs> uh-huh. And then picked, and then he picked Buffalo over Elm Grove in an I wish Mark Pryor still pitched series. <laughs> and uh-huh. will walk off game six home run to seal it. Meanwhile, somewhere Adam will be smiling. Ah, I love it. The Wes Helms reference there. Um, yeah, exactly. It's funny. He said um, about Arizona, he said something along the lines of he, he was talking about platooning players, and he said, uh, uh, saying something about how I was platooning too many players or something, and he said, uh, the great, the, he said, uh, I will come up short again, the pink backs, as he referred to me, as the pink backs will come up short again, repeating their efforts of RBA season three, five, and seven. Well, um, I mean, he certainly had a precedent. I mean, if anybody, I mean, that was the smart bet. <laughs> I suppose so, if you, uh, well. Um, it's probably still the smart bet. You had to use the, you saw what happened argument, I suppose it would be. Uh, so, oh! So after the draft, um, so after the draft, here are the team scores. Yeah, um, let's talk about this because I want to take this Orlando ball and run with it a little bit. <laughs> after you. Oh my God. It's, it's going to be something to behold. Um, okay, so in 2008, uh, the average score, and uh, the average score was a – give me one second here. I have the average at the end of the year. It's probably not much different. Oh, yeah, the average was actually both times a 68. So this was – this was I think, lowest average score that we ever had. Yeah, that's crazy. That's, yeah, that's worth, that's important to keep in mind. Uh, for all, I, I wondered about something, and this sort of ties into it. I was compiling the replay standings and um, just flabbergasted by the 
differences in the way the teams came out in the replay and the way they came out in the RBA season. Now, for 2008? Yeah. Was it just 07 that it hit everything exactly? Was that the last podcast we did? I mean, not exactly, but. Yeah, no, I, well, again, we always talk about how much uh, randomness there is in baseball. Well, uh, that's not the direction I was going, though. Um, because well, I, I, I mean, there, there is a there is a huge amount of randomness. That's true. But just in, in the interest of trying to explain, or possibly explain some of it, I, I just made me think of it when you talked about the score of sixty eight. Because one of the things you said about that average score was that, um, uh, you know, it could be strength or weakness of the league, but it's also predicated upon strength and weakness of the roster lineup construction. Yeah, right. how the teams are, how the teams are built, right? Right, mm-hmm. right. So now, if that, now that could go in two different directions, it could be in the way that you compile the roster could be suboptimal, or it could be in the way you compile the lineup and slot in the pitchers that could be mm-hmm. suboptimal. Now, and and so I was looking at these replay scores, and with so many teams being so wildly different, I was wondering if there were a lot of suboptimal. Alignments. Yeah, very well may have been. Again, that that that's actually that's a good point because, yeah, that's that average score of sixty eight is I'm pretty sure the lowest we've ever had. That's even that's even lower than the first two seasons or the first three seasons yeah. of the RBA where you couldn't use platoon advantages. Right. That's I mean, those great. averages those averages tended to be lower, but that's for a very obvious reason. You couldn't yeah. stack lineups against left-handed pitchers and things like that. Right, right. But in 2008, we got a score that was very similar, and like I said, I think even a tiny bit lower than we had in those first three seasons. So I think there must have been a lot of so – there must have been at least some – Suboptimal, like uh, you know, team constructions and lineup well, construction. And we'll have the other part of it might have been a weaker. The other part of it might have been a weaker overall pool of players. It could have been, but I mean, we're talking about all. I mean, I know talent isn't the same as performance. We're talking about all the talent in the draft. I mean, maybe yeah. these weren't. Uh, well, a lot of that. A lot of that was long run talent. Yeah, maybe yeah, it was. Yeah, one um, in the draft too. But I know, I know this is sort of anecdotal, but and, and I don't remember all of the teams, but. I remember Orlando because they're a historic team. I mean, in a lot of ways, one of the most memorable teams ever was that 2008 Orlando team. And I can tell you that, first of all, I was shocked to when we did the replay that they were not the worst team of all time. And they weren't even particularly close to being <laughs> the worst team of all time. And it just made me remember, Adam, just, I mean, I don't think he paid any attention to the construction of his lineup or his, you know, anything. I think that lineup was so suboptimal that it mm-hmm. was, I mean, I I think it, compl- it torpedoed that team to a large extent, which I guess was, was his goal. But, I mean, <laughs> he, he ran the same, he ran out the same lineup against lefties and righties, and I'm sure the replay didn't do that. Right. No, I'm sure not. Uh, let, yeah, okay. Well, let me talk about the team scores Please, and we yeah. discuss, Adam. Okay. So, starting off in the Larkin division, uh, remember that the average is 68, so it's a bit lower. So, every team score can kind of get bumped up because of that. At least, let's say, 12 points. Um, all right. So, my team score was 118. Whew. Yeah, that, that ended up being the high, That was the highest in the league, not by a ton. But now, this was, was at the beginning of the season, correct? Yes, right after the draft. Okay. Okay. Uh, I had my, my real strengths were I, I had a great lineup and a great bullpen. My rotation was not very good. 
at least not for a competitive, not at least not for a team that was competing. Boy, I you say that with a lot of surprise. Like Arizona's never put a pile of crap uh, <laughs> rotation out there before. Actually, though, here's one thing. I'm, here's one thing. We were talking about why the uh, average score was lower. Okay. The the average was 68 instead of you know 80 or whatever. Um, part of it, I'm sure, was sub was you know the suboptimal use of like the lineups and things. But another part of it was in the league overall rotations were bad that year. Okay. There were not many good starting pitchers. We had the other three good, really mm. good draft. But I I made a trade for uh, Joe Under, Mesh. Underscoring their performance there, or, or the importance of picking them even more. Yes, I was going to talk about the Gilmesh trade. I traded for Gilmesh and Adam Wainwright because I needed a rotation. And I knew I wasn't going to get a great rotation. I just needed something that would get me through. Yep. <laughs> the season and hope that my hitting and bullpen take care of the rest. Right. So Which uh, the only really good pitcher I had, the only sort of dominant pitcher I had was Matt Kane. Yep. I had protected Jake, Jake Westbrook, and he was a pretty good uh, – he was an okay pitcher. He you know, Jake he, Westbrook, as he's he, always been. He, uh, he was good. Yeah, he was typical Westbrook. He was very good for, like, a number four starter. But had I not traded for Wainwright and Mesh, he would have been my number two starter. And no. that would have been – yeah. I still uh, remember this now, yeah. The starting pitching in the league was just not good this year, and that, that I think, is a big part of the reason why that average score okay. is 68, is lower. Uh, so I was 118 to start the season. Adam was a 2. Oh. That's the lowest score I have ever calculated, the lowest raw score. Oh. If you add 12 points to that, even if you apply a curve or whatever, I don't know if you want to divide or add whatever. But anyway, Adam... Terrible. Adam, Adam's a two. Even if you had 12 points to that, he's still a 14. He's still atrocious. He batted oh. Terry Owens sixth oh. and Wes Helms seventh. Now, against righties, Wes Helms had an OPS of 574. Oh, and against lefties, Owens had an OPS of? Of 595. Oh. Adam had an average OPS against righties of 701. Oh. <laughs> to contrast, seven, I've never seen anything that low. To contrast, uh, my OPS against righties was 914. So, seven, uh, this, this podcast needs to be censored. This is this is cruel and unusual, <laughs> listening to this. Yeah, I know. Chicago had an average score of 106. Okay. Remind, I, I have a couple of things to say about Orlando, so remind me when we come back. But I'll let you keep going. Okay, so Chicago had 106. That's good. Yep, yep. Same same rotation as me. We both had starting rotation problems, but like yeah. I said, most in the league did. Yeah. Uh, and Atlanta was a 52. Oh, very nice. Okay. Interestingly, Atlanta had the best rotation in our division. Yeah. Okay. Their problem was the rest of their team. They, I mean, not that they were. Their bullpen wasn't actually bad. Um, their offense was 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 well below average. Um, in the what's the middle division again? The uh, uh, the sex <laughs> offender division, as as people have so kindly called it. Uh, right, so in the Larkin uh, State College was a seventy-seven. Way to still get it wrong there, Jeff. Huh? You said the Larkin. <laughs> uh, whatever division State College is in, uh, they uh, oh yeah the pocket. Uh, oh golf club. This is you're bringing back the insight. I love it. State College was a 77. Um, Silver City was a 66. Mm. Buffalo was 106. They were the Woo! same. Okay. And, yeah, Buffalo... Interesting, because we ended up tying for the Wild Garden. Yeah, Buffalo and State College, I believe, had the best rotations in the league. Yeah, they did. Makes sense. Um, Buffalo had the best. 
And then uh, Dunedin was a nine. Yeah, they were still not good. <laughs> yeah, they were awful that year. Um, of course, they've turned it around since then. And then in the Clemente, uh, now yeah, yeah, do you have the Mexican bird flu there? The no, not yet. You're sniffling uh, a little uh, bit. You've been drinking the water. Yeah, no, I'm fine actually. I haven't gotten sick yet. Amazingly, uh, in the uh, Clemente, we did have what appeared like what what was going to be a great race. Listen uh-huh. to these. Las Vegas was a 72. Yep. Slight, just barely above average. Chad uh, was a 73. <laughs> Baltimore was a 61. Wow. Down a little bit, but better hell, only 12 points behind Chad. And Gulf Coast was a 77. Wow. All of those teams ranged between 61 and 77, with, where the uh, league average was a 68. Wow, that's crazy. Now, yeah, I remember that. That division was a jumble for a couple of seasons there, and that was the biggest jumble. It was completely wide open. Okay, so then we started playing the season. And, well, let, uh, well, let me, let, yeah, let me say a couple of things here. Um, first of all, I did want to mention Cooper only had uh, he had two back to back second round picks. He traded Milton Bradley to me to get them. Um, I think. Anyway, uh, or maybe that was backwards. But anyway, Cooper had two second-round picks right in a row, and he ended up taking Zach Greinke and Raphael Soriano. I just wanted to point out how, you know, that was a uh, a big reason why he ended up winning that division, and two talented players also. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about – and another draft pick that we should mention, talking about Adam. Um, Adam, remember, at the end of his draft – redrafted Wes Helms, as you mentioned, Helms being in his lineup, <laughs> really the symbol of what Adam was trying to do that season, which he, he did just kind of twist the knife in Cooper a little bit with that. Or he was just being typical goofball Adam. But he, I remember uh, he said Wes Helms has earned himself a one-year contract. That's right. And do you remember where Adam uh, conducted that draft from? Um, that Oh, yeah, yeah. We talked, we talked in the last podcast about he was just dead after the championship series. Right, but I don't think but, we mentioned what he pulled at the end of that. And not that I, not that I, uh, you know, I, I don't blame him, but. He was in Morgantown, but not at the draft in Morgantown. <laughs> <laughs> he was in the same city. He yeah. couldn't drive across town. And, you know, it was abnormal circumstances. As we said on the last podcast, he'd been up for. 48 hours. He conducted that draft on IM from bed. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He was actually bedridden after winning the championship. That's what it does to you. That's what it did to me in 08, but we'll get to that. Oh, yeah, I guess so. Okay, well, let's – um, a couple of – just quickly, a couple of pre-season trades that I wanted to talk about. You got mesh, which, which I wanted to mention. Um, one, we talked about Dunedin, how they still weren't very good, but I – you know, I'd love uh, the next first-round draft for Dunedin in the ninth season when they got good and they had those two playoff teams in the ninth, in the ninth and tenth seasons. Um, one thing that I, as I was looking back, I realized um, Dunedin really sowed the seeds for that. Um, they they had three first-round picks in in '09, and they used them to take Votto, Lester, and Zobrist, as I recall. Um, and they got two of those first-round picks in in pre-draft trades. They traded um, uh, Oliver Perez for a first-round pick and wow. that was to Chad, and they traded Joe Blanton to Florian for a first-round pick. Yeah, very nice. Yeah, and those two trades just jumped out at me. Actually, the, and I think it really underscores the paucity of um, starting pitching 
it, like yeah. you were saying, I mean, there were no starters. I think this was the biggest panic uh, <laughs> of any season we've had. I mean, we went into 08, and everybody said, I don't have any starting pitchers. <laughs> yeah, most of the competing teams did not have good rotations, and they saw that there weren't many good starting pitchers in the draft. I mean, you had those, again, you had those three really good ones, but uh, so I think every team that was trying to contend pretty much was saying, oh, hell, I need to, I need to somehow get a, I need to somehow get a rotation, at least uh, one that'll, you know, survive. And both both Chad and State College overpaid. I mean, Chad actually gave up a first and a fourth for Perez. State College gave up a first and a third for Blanton. Think about that. I mean, right. it, it was just, you talk about, you know, <laughs> not talking about economics, but supply and demand and whatever. I mean, it was. The, yeah, pretty simple stuff. I know. Yeah. And actually, and it looks like, um, and then, so everybody, you know, kind of, the competing teams traded for starting pitchers, like you said. I got um, I got Mesh and Wainwright. I traded Rio. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, that's a big trade in the RBA's history because Wainwright turned into an impact player for you. Yeah, I'm looking at the trades file now. It looks like I got a fifth. Yeah, I got a fifth round pick and Wainwright. It was basically Wainwright for Alex Rios, who I mean, it's it's easy to talk about now, just like I talk about the Johnson for Delgado trade. But Rios was seen as a promising player. Yeah, yeah, he was. Um, and then so during the season, I don't know if there are any trades we really want to well, talk about. Well, there's one more, and this will make you laugh. I just. <laughs> I was looking through the trades file, and if you're looking through as well, um, if you look at the draft day trades, there were 11 of them. Back up one day to the one trade made on the day before draft day. I have a distinct memory of this trade. Mm -hmm. It was Cooper trying to get Kenji Jojima from Dunedin. Uh, Cooper wanted him because he was an A in defense, and his division had a lot of speedy players, which, looking back, probably was a good strategy because Cooper, again, ended up separating himself from that division and winning it. Um, right. Had to get this A in speed. And I distinctly remember being in your house, which is where we held the, the weekend, Cooper being on the phone with my cousin for an interminable amount of time, haggling yeah. about a 14th rounder here, a 10th. I mean, it was just getting so ridiculous. And you and I were just like, we were looking at each other like, oh, is this ever going to end? Yeah. Cooper yeah. trying to Remember. yank a 14th rounder out of somebody. That's a symbol of the RBA right there. Yeah, definitely. definitely. You remember that too? Uh, yes, I do, actually. I really do. And then, so I guess uh, you want me to give you the scores after the deadline? Uh, yeah. Let me see if there were any other trades. Um, yeah, I just had the yeah you getting um Wayne Wright. There, there were some sort of middling trades. Yeah, the more yeah, check out more notes. That's, that's yeah, more that's than more middling, than I would say. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah that's I think he kind of um, sold off his competitiveness for the season. I think Chad kind of had, again, some bad luck coming out yeah, of that four-team clump, and then he just you know, wisely traded some away. Even though, as we'll see with the replay, he ended up scoring well anyway, so he might have just underachieved that season. Right. Um, right. Yeah. And then, remember, I, I did trade – I traded Felix Hernandez to Chad for A.J. Burnett and Griffey, which obviously – hurt Chad during the season but helped him long term. But I also flipped Dice K to Baltimore for Verlander, so kind of even. Mm -hmm. And just one more trade that I remember. This is also at the deadline, Chad, this is where Chad got Kinsler. So you think about all the players Chad got in this season. Mid-season trades, he got Morneau, Felix, and Kinsler. Real building blocks. Um, 
And I just remember it was a three-team trade, one of the few three-team trades that we've had, and it was between, <laughs> remarkably enough, Chad, Florian, and Champ. <laughs> yeah. And uh, where Champ gave up Kensler and got Stephen Drew, which is not a bad proposition. And I just remember Florian being a part of this trade, and he accepted it blind. He sent me an email, and he said, I'm busy. I don't have time to look at this, but if Chad says it's okay, then I agree. <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember that as I was looking back at it. Any any trades that stood out for you? Not really. Um, there weren't a ton of major ones. I mean, there, were, there was a lot of – there was a steady stream of trades, but none, no huge ones, I think, that, that you know made teams a ton better. Um, you, got, you got Polanco. Uh, yeah, and I got uh, Benoit uh, at the deadline to sort of solidify my bullpen. But basically, I mean – I think your bullpen was already in a solid state. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> after the uh, after the trade deadline, my score was a 120. In fact, actually, we both bumped ourselves up a whopping two points. I went from 118 to 120, and you went from 106 to 108. Yeah. Adam Adam stayed Large there at a two. Yeah, Adam stayed there at a two primarily well, because he had nothing to trade. Primarily uh, because he doesn't do anything except on RBA weekends. That, that too, yeah. And uh, Atlanta stayed at a 52. Over in the... Um, which is strange over, because they actually did move a lot of players around, but anyway. Yeah. In the pocket, they stayed pretty much the same. State College was a 77. Uh, I guess that's what they started off at. Silver City, 66. Buffalo, 106. And Dunedin, 9. I don't know if anything... Yeah, I don't know if any of those... Not really significantly, changed. anyway. Yeah, right. And now Vegas bumped themselves up to an 83. Okay. And Chad sold off. Chad ended up doing the, you know, rebuild. I guess his team got off to a bad start or whatever. He ended up at a 38. Ooh. So he well, really sold off, yeah. Speaking of Cooper, one thing we should mention, he did get Heron for Zambrano in this trade. Yeah. And he got some uh, – he actually traded away Granke in that trade also and got a couple of relievers. So that's where he uh, built up. Um, Gulf Coast? Gulf Coast, a 94. Woo! How did they improve so much? Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, let's see. I don't know. They got Ludwig from me for Kadir. Oh, it looks like – oh, the trade in which they traded away Reyes to Chad must have done it. They got Ludwig. Too Ludwig was a big hitter that yeah, year. Um, they got yeah they got Ichiro and Miguel Tejada and Randy Wolf from Chad in exchange for basically Reyes and a yeah, couple of players. Yeah, that, that, okay, that, that must have done it. Yeah, that yeah. that probably explains the big difference in Chad and Gulf Coast uh, ratings. And and Doug finished at a sixty one. So uh, so when we you know finished out the actual regular season. Uh, the four playoff spots went to, let's see, I won my division. Chicago did not get a wild card. Well, um, we tied with Buffalo for the wild card and uh, lost the uh, one-game playoff. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Buffalo. So Buffalo got the wild card. Um, and Which I, guess I didn't really want to win, so I was rooting for Buffalo in that game. P.S. <laughs> uh, yeah. And in 2008, was that the year Silver City won the division? They did. They won 50 games and won the uh, pocket division. And in the Clinton the winner was Cooper. That's right. They ended up winning by one game over Gulf Coast. It came down to Vegas and Gulf Coast. Elm Grove sold off in Baltimore. Imagine that. Underachieved. Um, right. So it came down to those two. And I, I believe that was a pretty thrilling last series of the season, again, where Cooper mm-hmm. held off Gulf Coast to win it, um, just like he did with you in the fifth season. As you recall, in 05, you guys came down to the end of the season. You want to talk about that a little more? Uh, no, that's okay. Are uh, you sure? Uh, no, I don't. So you uh, you won the division by ten games uh, over Chicago. Uh, yeah. Chicago did tie Buffalo for the wild card, and uh, Buffalo won that game. So it did end up being Arizona against Buffalo. You know, it's funny. Uh, wh- I mean, 
Yeah, the Greenbacks did dominate the league that year, but I was surprised by that, actually. I thought that, um, yeah, I, I knew I'd built a really good team, but I thought my 08 team was really basically the same as my 07 team in terms of, uh, like, what they should have done. Right. Uh, they had very similar scores. The league average was a little lower, but they had very similar scores. Um, the replay would suggest that you got a little luck. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna do the replay. Yeah, I'm gonna do the replay results here in a minute. But. Well, let me just say, apropos to what you're saying, I looked it up. Saito gave up his first run of the season in the 36th game. <laughs> That's disgusting. That's ridiculous. And Heath Bell ended up, even though he ended up giving up eight runs on the season, he gave up his first run of the season in the 48th game. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Uh, there was definitely some overachieving going on there. I remember yeah. saying that even during the season. Sure. Uh, I I thought my 08 team was very similar to my 07 team and very similar to my 2010 and 2011 teams. I think all four of these teams I've had, these you know these good teams I've had recently have been about the same talent. They've uh, been they've had different strengths and weaknesses. You have yeah, better pitching overall. now. Yeah, sure, sure. I just mean overall talent. Uh, sure. Now. Uh, so, like, my 07 team finished with 50 wins and a run differential of, I don't know, plus 60 or something. This team was – this team had a run differential of plus 130. Was this – this was the team that um, uh, almost broke Cooper's record for runs scored in the season. That's correct. Cooper set it the previous season, and you were on pace to set it for a while, was, and then you so taped it off. Yeah, Cooper, Cooper set the record with, what, about 475 or something? Mm, no, I think oh. you scored 475 in this season. I think the record was 483. Okay. Well, anyway, it's a move point now because you said it last year at 487. I was, I was on pace to score about 500 for the longest time, and then in, in, and then sometime around uh, round 70, with like 10 to 12 games left in the season, uh, all of a sudden we just couldn't score runs at all. <laughs> and uh, so we were on pace to not only break Cooper's record, but to break it by like 15 or 20 runs. And, uh, and we ended up falling short of it. But, you know, like I said, the team had overachieved to that point. Uh, so anyway, here are the uh, replay results. Yeah. Uh, Arizona wins their division and uh, makes the playoffs in nine of the 14 replays, but with an average of only 45.1 wins per. That is a difference of ten point nine wins. You won yeah. fifty six in the in the real season. That's the thirty first best team of all time by the Reapers. Okay, the team we thought was going to win the the team we thought was going to get the wild card, Chicago averaged only one point two, barely over five hundred. Yeah, four point eight wins fewer, uh, fewer than in the uh, real season when we won forty six. Yeah, they did make the playoffs five and a half times out of those fourteen. Yeah, look, I mean, it's crazy. Seven teams made the playoffs five and a half times or more. Yeah. There was quite a jumble. Yeah, yeah, there really was. Uh, Atlanta averaged 36.5, and, and Orlando averaged 32.7. 32.7. That can't be understated. I mean, it really – I think it has to be – of course, a little bit of randomness. It has to be a little bit of managing. I, you really yeah. can't convince me either way. That's a 12.7 win difference. I think that's the biggest win difference we have had in the replays. I agree, I agree. But I was floored that they did not end up being in the, at least the mid-20s. I was yeah. floored. Anyway, okay. Okay, uh, Buffalo wins the replay. They did. 40, with an average of 48.8 wins and a 
playoff appearances in 11 and a half of the 14 replays. And and they scored very well in your spreadsheet. You said they had the best rotation in the league. They had a very yeah. good team. And they uh, should, you I was had, scared. You, oh, you should, and you should have been. You had a very tough matchup. That was that was 2.8 wins more than in the RBA season, so not too far off. Silver, Silver City averaged 42.2. Uh, 11.8 wins fewer than in the regular season. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. Uh, they made the playoffs five and a half times, same as Chicago. And uh, here's an interesting one. State College, uh, actually, well, State College averaged 40.2, so only two behind Silver City. They uh, they made the playoffs uh, a half of a time. They they won, time yeah, time. I think that's about right. They won 43 games in the real season, so not too far off there. And Dunedin, 28.4, worst team yeah. in the re- yeah, 103 all time. So another another bad team for Dunedin, but it would get better soon. Gulf Coast uh, wins the Clemente, uh, which uh, which I think they should have. It's uh, supported by. I mean, it's not a farce, but no, it's no, supported no. by your spreadsheet that they were the best team in the league. Cooper had a very good team, best, also. Yeah, best in the division. Um, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, division. That's what I'm they were. They were better than Cooper, but not by a ton. Yeah, it wasn't a farce that Cooper won that division. Certainly not. Uh, but yes, Gulf Coast actually averages 48 wins in the close uh, to Buffalo. Yeah, yeah, per replay, and they make the playoffs uh, 10 out of 14 times. Yeah, that's five wins more than they got in the RBA season. Uh, Las Vegas did finish second, as they should have. I'm certainly they they averaged 44.8 wins and made the playoffs half the time, seven. Almost years. right on. They had 44 wins in the real season. Here's, a, here's an interesting one. Yeah, Elm Grove with that season-ending roster. Uh, somehow averaged 43.5 wins per replay and made the playoffs seven times. That's with the roster after they've made all those trades to build up for the future. Isn't that interesting? I, yeah, that, that that is truly shocking. I, and, yeah, I yeah, that's 9.5 wins more than what they had. I mean, crazy. Yeah. And Baltimore does a little bit, maybe a little worse than I would have expected. Only 34.8 on average, zero playoff appearances. True. They They traded away a few players also. Um, yeah. So that explains. Well, that's how the replay results finished up, and I guess we should take a few minutes to discuss the actual uh, playoffs. Ah, oh, yeah, this is uh, this is a good one. Um, well, uh, yeah, good for storytelling. The the first round series between Buffalo and Arizona, we split RBA weekend uh, between. Uh, Pittsburgh and uh, Morgantown. This was the first year that I had it at, at my apartment in Pittsburgh, um, and we play. We had RBA Friday night in Pittsburgh, so we had. I believe this was when we went to the Pitt game, didn't we? This yeah. Was the, this was the I'll eat that too night, wasn't it? Mm, yeah, might have been. I think so. <laughs> um, so we went to the Pitt game and we lost, and. Came back, and uh, we had the trivia challenge, and we started this series after the trivia challenge was over, or maybe between the trivia challenge or something like that. And so it was late. It was late on Friday night that we played this series. And here's Hobbs, lost, you know, a history of heartbreak, never won a playoff series, and you were pretty much getting to the end of your rope by this point. Um, you did? Uh, no, I was, I was no. nowhere... Not like not like uh, after the fifth season. Oh, okay. Um, so you'd rebound. But I, but I, but I, yeah, yeah, definitely. I'd put together two fifty wins. I'd won one hundred and six games total over True. the seventh but and eighth. But you still, you'd never won anything in the yeah. postseason. No, no, that was yeah. By 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 oh eight, I said okay. I've I've, I've, I've uh, proven that I can put put out two consecutive really you know really good teams. Uh, now I need a championship. So 
you face Buffalo, who, as you said, you're scared scared uh, as hell about. I mean, you know, very good team. By the replay, the best team in the league. Yeah. Um, and we're playing it late on that night. Um, you win game one in one of the all-time great games. Um, you were down 5-2 to two going to the seventh inning in that game. You scored two in the seventh, one in the eighth, and then a walk-off homer by your boy. Remember? Uh, was it Willingham? It was not. No, that was against. That was later. Yeah, yeah, that was that was game one or two or something against Cooper. I don't remember. It was your platoon buddy Troy Gloss in a pinch hitting uh, role. Of course, he was pinch hitting because he didn't start the game. Chavez did, and he had done the same thing in game one against Cooper in the playoffs the year before. That's right. So Gloss hits the walk off homer off Rivera, by the way, uh, of Buffalo, and you win the first game six to five. You actually won game two as well behind Wainwright. You beat Lincecum. Uh Lincecum gave up seven hits and seven walks. And you had a 2 nothing lead in the series. Then mm-hmm. things fell apart. <laughs> went sideways. <laughs> yeah, everything went wildly wrong. The, game three was tied 2-2 two to two in the eighth inning, and Marte gave up three runs, including a two-run homer to A-Rod. Why he was facing A-Rod, I'm not sure. Um, but <laughs> yeah, con- congratulations on good managing shoes. Um, um hell. Sure, there was some reason. You were out hit twelve to four in Game Four. You only lost five to four, but um, you basically scored all your runs on homers by Jeter and Hamilton. Um, and that one, Heath Bell gave up the uh, the winning run and got the loss. And then you lost Game Five, six to one. Uh, you gave up the last six runs of the game, and uh, things looked bad. Shoes, and you looked bad. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I pulled a, uh, I, I, I had you know suffered the heartbreak of being up in the series against Cooper the year before and yep. then losing. Uh, so I remember I laid out on the couch and pulled a blanket up over my head. <laughs> well, let's let's talk about our physical states during this series because this was uh, Bob Parker was there, um, I suppose. Yeah, because it was yeah yeah because yeah. this is when he joined the league, um, and he brought beer. And now I I still wasn't drinking. I obviously don't, I haven't drank in years, probably since about then. And I, I wasn't really drinking then either. But there was something about this. I you know it's RBA weekend, and I had one or two, um, you know, just to be festive. But there well, was some asked. there was something about this beer that that was yeah. that was wrong. <laughs> yeah, it made everybody sick. <laughs> it made everybody sick, including Cooper. Um but especially me. And I was playing it was during game four of this series and 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 you said things went sideways in the series. Things went sideways inside of me. <laughs> I, I wasn't just you. Yeah. Well, I had to get up and and hurl during the series. Like I I was playing game four. Got up from the computer, went to the bathroom, hurled, came back and kept playing the series. Um, it was it was a pretty epic weekend all around. And then after game five, as you said, you were curled up on your couch. With a blank, with with just a blanket over your head, you were. I mean, you were just ready to give up. Uh, <laughs> you were done. Uh, you could see it all coming again. Like you said, you you'd been beaten by Cooper. Um, you were getting. You know, you were now down three to two after being up two to nothing. You were. You looked sick. Like I don't know if the yeah. beer made you sick also, but you looked just sick at everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was. It was a bad state of affairs. At that. At that point, I felt much the way that uh, Cooper felt after two thousand eight. I guess. 
Yeah. Uh, we'll get well. We'll get to that. But right. um, but yeah, I, I won game six with a actually. I was down three two in the series, and I was losing in game six. Yeah, I think this is when you were really in bad shape. I think I think that's when I pulled the blanket up over my head. I was down four to two, and actually, I was down four to two going to the bottom of the ninth. Do you remember that, or are you looking at this here? Yeah, I'm looking at it, but I'm yeah, but I remember it. Uh, yeah, you were down four to two. At, they scored two runs in the top of the fifth to take the four to two lead, and and they carried it all the way to the ninth inning. And of course, they had Rivera as their yeah. closer. I mean, it looked bleak. And again, yeah. you looked bleak. Uh, I, I wasn't sure you were going to survive the weekend if you lost the series. So that makes it all the more miraculous. Um, yeah, and I pummeled, actually, starting with Gary. I scored a runoff Gary or a runoff Bimel and three off of Rivera. I had a five run bottom of the ninth. I won it with a uh, walk off <laughs> something or other. Walk off grand slam. Grand slam, yeah. I, I, yeah, right. It must have been. Um, By Ryan. Billboard, who was oh, playing yeah. center field in place of Josh Hamilton. Yeah, it, you uh, it was you'd scored a run on an RBI single by Willingham before that, but it was four to three after you scored that run and the bases were loaded. So obviously you just needed a single, basically to win the game. But you got the walk off grand slam in the bottom of the ninth, and I remember, of course, I was rooting for you, but I remember feeling just sick for Fisher. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean that had to be awful. Yeah, that was, and that turned out to be the story of the series. Um, I won Game Seven, but yeah. I had a six to one lead. They scored a couple of runs to make it close at the end, but uh, but I had a six to one lead going into the eighth. Uh, right. The final score was six to four, but uh, yeah, the Spielberg's grand slam was definitely the story uh, of that series. So you won your first playoff series ever. God, yeah, I know. <laughs> and uh, you, we went, we went down to Morgantown for uh, for Saturday, and we played Cooper against John, an underrated series in the pantheon here. Oh, of, yeah, I mean, it went all seven games. It did, and and uh, John had to pull it back from the brink. Cooper was up three to one. I remember that distinctly. I don't even have to look at that. Cooper, uh, John pulled out game two in extra innings uh, against Cooper. But before that, Cooper just dominated the first, uh, the first third and fourth games of the series. And, uh, Cooper did have a better team, I suppose. Yeah, mm-hmm. Cooper did have a better team. Um, I think we expected Cooper to win this, but John, uh, down three to one, he was pretty despondent about the whole thing. And uh, he stormed back, and you could just see the panic rising in Cooper because <laughs> yeah. we were all there. Very much like what had happened with me. You know, I, I was up in the series against Buffalo, and then we fell behind three to two, and it looked like we were going to lose the series. Yeah, but I mean, three to one is a little different from oh, yeah. two to nothing. But but yeah, a little bit like that, and a little bit like what would happen in the championship, as you recall, to you. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. These series just wouldn't die. <laughs> it's just like Cooper went up three to one, and I thought, oh, okay, and then it just wouldn't die. Um, uh, John won Game Five. He uh, he beat Eric Bedard, um, and then he pulled out Game Six, three to two. And Cooper was just at the end of his rope at this point because he, you know, he thought he was going to win this series. He's up three to one, and John took him to a seventh game, and uh, Cooper did end up winning that seventh game. Um, mm-hmm. Seven to two. So that's a tough one for John. John really managed well and 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 played well. And uh, I know he wanted to be Cooper, but um, yeah. So that set the stage for Vegas, Arizona. It did. Uh, it did. And uh, and as uh, what a classic matchup. 
Yeah, and game, well, and game one went 14 innings. It did. It did. I mean, this is, uh, when you think of it, like I said, when I think about this time period, I think about you and Cooper as being the forces, and you two met re- up. And if I remember correctly, that was the Josh Willingham game. It was. To- it was. Um, Josh Willingham hit a uh, two-run homer in the bottom of the 14th inning to win game one. It went to 14 innings, tied yeah, so- at one. So after game one, our bullpens were shot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Fido pitched four innings in that game. Yeah, I remember that, and uh, so that really kind of that, that that obviously made things uh, different strategy wise for for games two, three. You know. Yes. And by the way, I should mention Eric Bedard went eight innings, two hits, one walk, eleven strikeouts in that game. Yeah, he killed me. And Kane pitched was, six innings and killed him. I, I was going to mention that as well. Uh, Kane pitched six innings and gave up only one hit. Yeah, and then in t- I clobbered Cooper in game two, ten to one. You did. So you were up two to nothing in the series after the squeaker extra inning win in game two, and then you pummeled him in. in I'm sorry, in game one, and you pummeled him in game two behind Wainwright. And pummeling him in game two was great for me because it allowed me to rest my bullpen. I yeah, didn't pitch- I was going to mention that. Yeah, Glavin pitched the last three innings. Right, my number five starter, and then game three was a was an absolute barn burner of a pitcher's duel. He beat me one zip. Sheets against Gilmesh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mesh, 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 mesh was fine, but Sheets killed me. Yeah, Sheets killed you in that series, I thought. Oh, oh maybe not. He's lined up to pitch game seven. So, um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, Sheets, uh, just like Bedard, uh, Sheets went seven innings, had almost an identical line, two hits, one walk. Uh, mesh pitched very well, but, yeah, uh, he won one to nothing. Uh, and then game four, you took the three to one lead, just like Cooper seven had. To one. Yeah, yeah, seven to one, another another blowout. And you drilled uh, Vasquez in that uh, in that game. Um, and we should mention you you were favored in this series. I mean, you were. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. You had a better team. Um, so, so I was up three one, and then uh, and so then one two blowouts, and and the close games had kind of split. So it seemed. Yeah, it so again, it seemed like you were cruising here, and I remember Cooper was sick during this championship, and he was just he, he, he was, was not out. there though. He was That's at right. a, he was he was sick. Yeah. He was actually sick. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, he couldn't. Sort of like Adam. He couldn't leave his parents' house. Like he was that sick. Yeah, I remember we had him. I was thinking he was at some kind of family function, but maybe that. Oh. Yeah. Well, I remember he was on some. He was on speakerphone, and then there, there, something happened where he we had to call him. We had to keep calling each other or something. I can't remember. But uh, I think your phone was dying. <laughs> I think we were using your phone. But yes, he was on speakerphone the whole time. It was, and I, I mean, this is interesting, but it was just you and me. Yeah, yeah, it was just you and me and Cooper on speakerphone. That's all. Yeah, that was that was strange. We didn't have a we didn't have an audience that time. Well, um, it was. I mean, the week it had been going on for so long, and we moved it. I mean, we did that in Morgantown because Cooper was in Morgantown. I think everybody, you know, people came to Pittsburgh on Friday night. Um, but well, I mean, it, we've yeah. done so much when we try and do the first round series in, in RBA weekend. It's just so much stuff. Right, and right. This was the middle of the night, also. I mean, you know. on all three series go seven games. I mean, so yeah. I, I was up three one. I lost game five, two to one in ten innings. Yeah, uh, and then, uh, and but so another killed you again in that game. By the yeah, way, he did he did? And then in game six, I lost four to three. You did. Yep. And so we go to Game Seven. <laughs> uh, Wainwright had gotten. And I remember hurt. Cooper just kind of perking up more and more as the series goes on. <laughs> 
<laughs> and you were just as, and and you were hanging. And once again, you were down most of Game Seven, as you know. Yeah, Game Seven. I'm down. I'm looking at it now. Yeah, that's right. I was down two to one, and obviously two to one doesn't sound bad, but I couldn't get any offense going at all. I wasn't even threatening to tie the game. And going into the seventh inning, I remember uh, the still down two to one. I couldn't. Yeah, I was. I was feeling much as I had, you know, against Buffalo, where I had a lead and was looking like I might blow it. And then in the bottom of the seventh, I scored five runs. And uh, it started. Corpus. And yeah, it started with a home run by Willingham. I remember that <laughs> moment. Yeah. I remember yeah. it because you tied it with that home run. I believe it let off the inning, perhaps. And. um and it was just you, – you just raised your fist in the air, and it, it was like from – it was sort of like the, the walk-off Grand Slam, which didn't win the, the Buffalo series, but you could just feel it. And <laughs> one game seven, as soon as he hit that home run, it just felt like you were going to win. Yeah, the final was 6-3. to three. Cooper did get another run in the eighth, but, yeah, the final was 6-3, to three and, um, and so I, I had my championship. Uh, but the thing about that weekend – I, in a way, the, well, the story of that weekend is just uh, is just that it was so epic that we couldn't handle it. Yeah. We had to change we had to change the format so that we didn't play. Now, now we play the first round series uh, prior to RBA weekend, and we just saved the championship for that weekend because playing three series during RBA weekend is tough enough. But when all three go seven games, oh, it was brutal. Know. I couldn't even speak the next day because, of course, I broadcast all the games. I mean, you're yeah. talking about. 21 hours of broadcasting games over like a 36-hour span or something like that. I mean, it killed me. Yep. It was it was brutal. And you're right. I think that's that is what we take away other than the fact that you won your first championship. I mean, that was a sign from the baseball god, the RBA gods to stop doing this, you're insane. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the story of 2008 was the epic RBA weekend. Yeah. Uh not not epic in the sense of, you know, chairs being thrown or people be, or people be, I did vomit. <laughs> Yeah, right, or people being completely uh, wasted, but epic in terms of, yeah, people being sick for other re- physically sick for other reasons, and uh, this, yeah, all three games, all three series going seven games, and just, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it, was, it was an amazing weekend. It was crazy, and congratulations to you for that championship that was your first, and uh, of course you'll be going for your second this season um, yep. with one of the, the players from that playoff uh, tournament. John, I was thinking, you know, Silver City now back in the playoffs for the first time since 08. Right, um, right. Yeah, we're not going to play in the first series, but it's possible we'll play in the championship if we both get there. That's right. Um, All right, well, anything, uh, any parting words, any last uh, comments? Not really, no. I was, uh, you know, 2008, it was great to finally win a championship, but uh, yep. I think we should probably leave it off here. We'll do 2009 when I get back to Boone sometime, maybe within, like, the next week or so, and uh um. Yeah. I, I, well, I've actually got to go meet Aaron at the embassy right now. So. I oh, should, fantastic! Well, I better let you go do that. All right. Well. Uh, all right. RBA. So that was the season that was 2008, and, and as Jeff said, we'll be back soon with 09. Adios, Mexico. <laughs> all right. All right. Bye.